What up, what up, what up? We're back. What up, everybody? This is your boy, Will Ware, checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me, as he does each and every time, my best friend, co-host, and the coach of our podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. Greg, we are back after a very short hiatus from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm happy to be here. Super excited to talk some C's. Uh, shout out to Celtics blog. Shout out to Jeff Clark for giving us this opportunity. And obviously, shout out to our guy, Adam Taylor, for uh, kind of showing us the ropes and making those initial introductions. And we're here, baby. Green with envy. No longer the three-man weave on this pod. Green with envy here on the Celtics blog feed. And I'm super honored for it. Yeah, so just quick, just to give y'all a, a little background here. Some of y'all probably are very familiar with Greg and I's voices. Uh, as Greg mentioned, we've been hosting or co-hosting with Adam Taylor for about the last maybe year and a half or so. Um, so so our voices have been on this podcast, but with Adam making his transition, we are now bringing our show, which we have talked about on here before, Green with NB. We're officially bringing it on to the Celtics blog feed. So starting every monday and thursday with this episode except for this thursday it's thanksgiving go enjoy it be with your families we'll be back next monday don't worry about that but mondays and thursdays you're going to be able to find me and greg here we are going to be holding it down with our show green with envy you can follow us on twitter instagram at green envy pod i know a lot of you out there already have done that so we do appreciate that for those of you that are familiar with our voices with adam but maybe weren't familiar with our other show it's going to be a little bit different there's a little bit of different sauce greg and i bring to it with this show so uh you know we're excited to be able to bring that to y'all excited to be able to continue to work with celtics blog with everybody over there um so really exciting time like i said we will be here Monday, Thursday, and of course, we will be bringing Adam back at some point to have the three-man weave reunion. That just has to happen, so don't worry, folks. The three-man weave is not going to completely die, but for now, Green with Envy, we're here, and and Greg, like you said, let's talk some basketball right now because let's do it. this is the perfect time because the Celtics are on fire. Celtics are 13-3, and three, first in not just the Eastern Conference, but in the NBA uh, on a nine-game win streak. And, you know, coming off, let's just focus on, you know, you and I have been off while we've been transitioning for about the last week or so. So let's just focus on this last week and quick recap. Celtics beat the Thunder on Monday night, 126 to 122. They beat the Hawks on Wednesday night, 126 to 101. And then they beat the Pelicans on Friday night, 117 to 109. Greg, let, let, let's start with which of those wins and it doesn't have to be most impressive, but maybe which one stood out to you the most? Because I think the you know the the theme of this week for the Celtics was just different flavors for you know different strokes for different folks. <laughs> they had so many different ways of winning basketball games. Which of these games stood out the most to you? Let's start there. I would probably say the Hawks game because that was the game that I was expecting the Celtics win streak to come to a close. I just thought it was kind of the natural uh, progression of things. Marcus Smart was out for that game. Um, we had just come off this big comeback win against the Thunder, been playing great basketball. The Hawks present some matchup problems for us. I thought, you know, Clint Capella, John Collins, Okongwu, I thought they would really uh, bash us on the boards. And it just didn't happen, man. The Celtics controlled that game pretty much from the onset. Uh, the Hawks didn't really have a chance. Obviously, the shooting has been off the charts recently. But in that game in particular, I was expecting the Celtics to really struggle against the, the matchup difficulties that the Hawks provide. But one thing that I'm sure you've seen and everyone's been talking about is just the the mathematical equation that the the, the Celtics, you know, 
um, offer for a lot of teams, it's a problem that's really hard to crack because we just shoot more threes than everybody else. And going up against the Hawks, where they were shooting a lot of mid-range jump shots, they just didn't have threats out there on the court. Not a lot of guys that can dribble, pass, and shoot. The loss of Herter, I think, was big for them. Um, the Bogdanovich injury is still looming large for them. So they just don't have a lot of guys that pose the dribble, pass, and shoot uh, conundrum. And the Celtics, man, everybody has been empowered under uh, Coach Missoula's new offense. And we're just humming on all cylinders. And that was the game that really stood out to me because it proved to me that the Celtics are even better than I thought they were. Yeah, I, I think this is a massive game. And just real quick, Herter has been awesome this year, by the way, for Sacramento. Great pickup for them. That's definitely a guy you can feel the Hawks missing right now, but you know, with this Hawks game and I said it, you know, kind of segueing into this, the, the Celtics just like found different ways to win in each of these games, which is what I think is extremely unique about the way this win streak is playing out to start with. You, you mentioned Marcus Martin play this game. Not only did he not play Malcolm Brogdon didn't play in this game. He didn't come back mm -hmm. until Friday night against the Pels. And so, you know, you look through this and you got Grant Williams with 18 points. You've got, you know, Derek white with 16 points, Sam Hauser, 15, Luke corn at 15, Peyton Pritchard, 14. And I can't speak, you know, Peyton Pritchard's a guy I do want to talk about for a minute here. Because it's been, and we had talked about this on our show uh, early in the season, right? It's just kind of a minutes crunch. And even here, when we were with Adam, we talked about it. It's a minutes crunch. And unfortunately, Peyton Pritchett's probably the guy who's going to feel it the most. But, you know, with guys like Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, who Smart plays as hard as he does, Brogdon has an injury history. There was going to be a time where Peyton Pritchett was going to need to be ready to be called upon. And over this last week and, and a little bit into the week before, you know, he's just stepped up like as if he's he's getting regular minutes. You know, he, he didn't feel like there was a flow that he needed to catch up to. He came in. He exuded energy. You know, you go back to the Thunder game. It was really him and Derek White that, you know, started pressing the Thunder, forcing them into turnovers, not letting Giddy get into, you know, into their offense and setting it up, turning the ball over, getting them back into a game that, you know, it felt like they were kind of lifeless for a while. And so, you know, I look at this Hawks game and, and the Hawks coming into this game were third in the East. So this was a matchup of first place in the East versus third place in the East. And it really felt like, hey, just because our top two guys, and, and they weren't terrible in this game, but they weren't themselves, you know, the Jays of what you expect. And the bench mob just came out and, and found a way to get a win versus, versus a team like the Hawks. And that's something I don't think we really saw a lot in, in years past, right? Is having this versatility and having guys like Luke Cornett, like Sam Hauser, and like Peyton Pritchard who can come in. And when I think back to this game, you know, we're now four days removed. Like, those are the guys that stick out to me from this game. And, and that's not something I think you could say about a big-time matchup with this team in the last couple of years that it's going to be those, those, those more minor role guys that pop out to you in a big win. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you think about Pritchard, you know, obviously since Brogdon went down with his injury, he's got a lot more playing time, as you alluded to, but he's just been doing it in different ways. You know, obviously he's a sniper. Um, his first couple of games, it was tough for him to kind of get off the schneid because he didn't have a nice rhythm going with that three-point shot. But, you know, after the Detroit and Denver game where he went 0 for 4, Pritchard has hit uh, seven three-pointers in the last four games, which is big for him, right? Because if he's coming in with confidence and letting that thing fly, that's a whole nother weapon that the Celtics just haven't utilized this season. Because um, One, because of Sam Hauser, right? Sam yeah. Hauser's just been amazing. He offers um, that three-point stroke that Peyton Pritchard offers, but he does it at 6'8 versus 6'1, and that's just a big difference, right? Sam, that's something we've talked about with Hauser all season long is he's a lot bigger 
than people kind of recognize and give him credit for. He's just a big dude. Um, and Pritchard, and his defense know, has been sneaky good as well. I mean, I know there's that clip going around right now of him D'ing up Brandon Ingram from the from the Pelicans. Yeah, I'm not going to expect that on a regular basis, mm-hmm. but I mean, he can hold his own, and it's it, it's proving in the you know leads the league in plus minus. Yeah, and it's weird with the the Hauser thing, right? Because I think what Scal and Grandy are saying on the broadcast is that he's getting targeted because he's white. They don't want to come out and just like <laughs> say that. Um, but I it's think one hundred percent what it is. It, it's almost like you know, white boy on the court. Like it's just like a like a beacon, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> like like to go attack him. <laughs> but there's no like historical data really to say that Sam Hauser is just like an awful defender. Everyone's kind of just assuming he will be because he's not like the most athletic dude. But he's got great instincts. He moves his feet well, and as I said, he's six foot eight and he's long, so he's able to contest shots. And I think you know it's kind of like when I watched Duncan Robinson um, in the bubble when there, there'd be times where he'd kind of give Jason Tatum problems just because Robinson's taller than you think he is. Um, and he, you know, he improved his athleticism. I already think house is probably a better defender than Duncan Robinson is. Um, at this point, I think Robinson has regressed in a lot of ways as a player, but Sam Hauser has been awesome as well. But to finish my uh, thought on Peyton Pritchard real quick, I just think when Brogdon is back, when Marcus smart is back, Joe Missoula has got to find some time for him on the court because he does offer something that, you know, those guys don't really focus on, which is just pure hustle and energy. Um, you know, Marcus has to be a little bit more of a game manager these days. Brogdon comes in and he has to run the second unit. Pritchard can come in and literally just focus on providing nothing but hustle and energy. And I think, finding eight to 10 minutes a game for him. And that can be in the first half, right? It doesn't have to be both halves, but giving him set time where he can come in and play. And then if he's playing really well, then maybe he plays 15 minutes a game. You know what I mean? But for now, you know, with smart still out, Pritchard will probably still see some minutes, but if smart comes back and he's ready to go on Monday, then I think you got to have Peyton Pritchard get at least one stint, keep that confidence high and keep his rhythm up. Yeah, I mean, already looking at the New Orleans game here, he played under five minutes in that game, and that's with Brogdon, I mean, excuse me, with Marcus Smart still out. And so, you know, it does bring on an interesting question for Joe Missoula of, you know, how do you manage this with, and I'll say this, this, this feels like unexpected depth for me from going into the season, or at least how much I trust this depth. Not that it wasn't going to be good, but that it's going to be this good, and that basically the bench is a weapon. That's something that I don't think I anticipated. I anticipated we could be strong because when you add Malcolm Brogdon and he's slated to be your your sixth man, I mean, we both predict him to be sixth man of the year, you're going to have a better unit. We knew that he was going to help you know, fix a lot of the holes with this team from last year. But I think the emergence of a lot of these other guys and how reliable and how at, at times deadly they can be is something I wasn't fully expected for. I thought we might see flashes of it, but you know, it's, it's becoming highly sustained. And so when you look at a guy like Peyton Pritchard and him trying to get minutes, it is, it is going to be a bit of a crunch. He's also an offensive rebounding savant. Apparently (laughs) he had about nine offensive rebounds this week alone, him terrorizing Deandre Jordan might've been one of my favorite videos that I've seen this past week or from uh, the week before, I guess against the nuggets. But yeah, it's it. This team has been really impressive, and you know, over this week, you know, I was looking at some of the the Jays' numbers because I feel like that has always been since the last you know two three years. The team just goes as the Jays go, basically night in and night out. That that's kind of the routine. You know, over this past week, Jalen Brown only shot twenty three percent from three. Jason Tatum shot thirty five percent from the field and twenty percent from three. Not great numbers, but 
I think the biggest thing is as we're talking about the bench mob is also those two guys finding other ways to contribute. So over this week, Jalen Brown had seven rebounds, 4.3 assists and two steals. Jason Tatum, eight rebounds, 6.3 assists and 1.3 blocks. You know, I, I think that's something that as we look to figure out what's different about this team, what makes this team that next level up? Because I think right now in the early parts of the NBA, I think the Celtics and Bucks are kind of putting themselves in a separate category from not just the East, but the rest of the NBA. I think the two of them are really kind of separating themselves from the pack. And I think Jalen and Jason being able to do, being able to contribute to winning without having to be the guys and dropping 30 points a piece. I, I think that's so massive for the long-term success of this team, knowing that you have different options that can kind of give you a boost on different nights. And I think this week just really, really exemplified that. Yeah. Looking at the game logs and high scores for, for each game over the first 13 games, will there were only three games in which one of those two guys did not score 30 points, Yeah, which is crazy. The last three games, Nobody scored 30 points. Exactly. Right. So we're finding new ways to win. But that's crazy to think about over the first 13 games there are only three in which one of them didn't crack. I mean, that's how good they've point. been. Yeah, I mean, this is a so different good. conversation that I want to have probably maybe in the next one of the next few episodes. I think they're the best duo in the NBA at this point. And and that does that that's I mean, I don't even think that's it's that much of a discussion. I mean, I think I think it's one that you and I will have in the next couple of weeks, but I think that's the case. And, and that's that's just how good. They have been. And so now for them to find these other ways to win, like you think about, you know, Jason Tatum the other night in, um, you know, in New Orleans, I think at one point he, I mean, he finished two of 10 from three, but they showed up his stat line. It's like, man, it feels like Tatum's just like struggling to get it going. And he had seven assists. And it's like, oh, man, this this guy is just continually finding a way where how do you need me to help you tonight? And it's, oh, you need me to set up Derek White. Oh, you need me to make sure I get, you know, Al Horford in his spot. Boom. You got it. And it's, it's actually a, a very selfless reflection of their leadership that they're able to do these things and be able to, to find different ways to win. Dude, another interesting stat Hit of me. the of the 16 games, 10 of those actually I, I, I gave it away, but 10 of those <laughs> games, I was going to ask the question, 10 of those games, the Jays have led the team in rebounding one of the two guys. Another really that's interesting pretty stat, right? The, that would so that that's very interesting because Tatum has been has been turning himself into a, a rebounding monster over the last two years. Jalen is, is still kind of working his way. I know he had I think ten rebounds one of the games the other night. Yeah, against New Orleans, yeah, ten yeah. rebounds. Yeah, um, but I'm very surprised by that. But once again, like I said, this speaks to the point of. The Celtics just have so many different ways to win. We know their offense is awesome. The ball keeps hopping around. They're first in offensive rating. They would be the the greatest offensive team in the history of the NBA if the season ended today. Uh, And their defense is starting to come along, man. I know we're all waiting on Rob Williams. We did get a little bit of an update that it seems like he is trending. He's tracking towards his return. Uh, He's back on the court doing doing workouts. So that at least seems like, you know, I I think I believe the eight-week mark of when that announcement was made, which got lost in all the mess of, of email and everything else going on. Cause that all happened that same week, which is, which is kind of crazy. Uh, that eight week mark just passed a few days ago. So we're in the eight to 12 week window now where it can actually start to be a bit of Rob Williams watch. And, and they're up to 14th in defensive rating. So they've gone from beginning of the season being basically in the, in the bottom five to up to 14th. And, you know, over this win streak, I think they're, you know, the last six games or so they'd be, they'd be fifth or something like that in the league, but up to 14th overall on the season. 
And, you know, a guy I want to spend a few minutes talking about here, Greg, that I think really stood out to me this past week was Derek White. Mm-hmm. I thought Derek White was awesome in all three of those games, of course, culminating in the Pelicans where, you know, he drops 26 points. And I don't know if the shooting. So here's something. This, this is more of an overall thought for the Celtics. And it is just Derek White, but it applies to him is how sustainable this three-point shooting is that you referenced. Because basically half of the Celtic shots come from three-point three point land. 47.6%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for, for those that are curious, that's a very, very high percentage of your shots to come from the three-point area. And I believe they're still shooting. Uh, I don't know if you have it in front of you, what they're shooting as a team. I can look it up here in a second. Yeah, I, I, I got it. So last year, just for reference, three-point frequency, 42% of Celtic shots were three-pointers. This year, it's 476 Three point percentage 39.1 this year compared to 35.6 last year. So we're about four percentage points higher yeah. in in um our accuracy from three point line. Exactly. And this kind of leads me to Derek White, who I think is shooting around 45% from the three point line right now, which is way above his his career average. And so I wonder about the sustainability because just this week he goes two for four, two for four, and six for eight in that big Pelicans game. And so I do wonder about the sustainability of it, but I look at the ball movement, Greg, and these are, and you and I have talked about this. They're all open. Like they're all good shots. They're all mm-hmm. open shots. Wide open. So I, I feel like there is a correction coming, but it might not be as big as, you know, maybe it settles 37, 38%. I don't know if they can sustain almost shooting 40% for the year, mm-hmm. but all these shots are open and, you know, guys like Derek white are just stepping them up in rhythm and knocking them down. And so maybe there isn't a reason to question it. One of my favorite things to do rewatching games is to watch it from the away team broadcast, just to see like what, what their guys are seeing. And if you listen to the Celtics last game against the Pelicans, the announcers are just like, what is happening? Like this team, they're like, there's no way they can keep up this three point shooting throughout the game. And then the longer the game goes on, you can just feel the helplessness in their voice. So like these guys are just too good. They're way (laughs) too good right now. The offense is humming and everybody's trusting each other. I was, you know, last year, one of the stats that I was really interested in was passes per game, you know, just to see where the Celtics could get. They ended the season averaging 289 passes per game. But I feel like a lot of those passes were kind of just like pass the ball without any, you know, idea of how that pass is going to make an There's impact. No purpose. There's no purpose behind the pass. Right. So this year we're at 278 passes per game. So actually less than last year. Um, but, with with that, our assist to pass ratio last year was 8.6 assists for every pass that we made. This year, it's 9.5, right? So when you think about that, it's like, okay, is that just because we're hitting more shots? Well, we're also getting a lot more catch-and-shoot opportunities. So in terms of our catch-and-shoot opportunities, field goal attempts last year, we were eighth in the league. So we still got a lot of them, 28 per game. This year, we're at about 31 and a half, which is second in the league to only the Warriors. Points per game off of catch and shoot opportunities, Will. We're ninth uh, ninth in the league last year at 30 points a game. Uh, this year, we're all the way up to 38, which is where would you say that ranks in the league? I'm going to guess first or second. First, yep. First yeah. in the league. Uh, field goal percentage off a of catch and shoot. We're at 41% this year, which is third in the league. Uh, last year, we were at 37%, which was 14th in the league. And then three point attempts off a of catch and shoot opportunities. Where would you, how many threes do you think we're getting that are catch and shoot opportunities this year? That are catch and shoot. So we're, we're shooting, how many are we shooting per game? Uh, 40, 
40 uh i i only i only have the percentage the percentage okay yeah. but it's, it's in the 40s anyways cause i think they get about mm-hmm. roughly just under 90 shots a, a game or so um i'm gonna i'm gonna say we're getting about 32 we are getting 30 okay we're not too 30. far off yeah. and we're we're i, I remember now it's thir- we're averaging 37 i think attempts per game attempts i think per that's game, what yeah. it is last year we were at 26 which was 10th in the league 30 three-point attempts off a catch-and-shoot is first in the league. So there's just so many stats out there that just show that the Celtics are getting open shots. They're getting good shots. A lot of it's happening off of ball movement, not necessarily just off of drive and kick, but, you know, a drive to a kick, to a pass, to a pass, to a pass. And it's just like so many times the ball is just flying it's around the man. horn we're, we're you know we're, yeah, we're coming up so with the world cup beautiful. jogo bonito yeah. it's the beautiful game right that's mm-hmm. the way the ball moves around and that's why it's, it's funny when you say that you and, and i like that i might i may adopt this i know you've talked about it before listening when you rewatch games listening to the other side to see kind of what they're thinking what they're saying um and i bet you it does feel unsustainable because this is you know, it's a it's almost a combo. It feels like of of Spurs at their peak with a little bit of the the Warriors three point shooting. Like it almost feels like a little bit of a, a mashup of those two. Uh, and so with that, Greg, let's let's actually do this because I want to come back and I want I want to keep talking about Derek because I have a question I want to pose. You want to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to pose this question to you about Derek White. All right, and we are back. All right, Greg. So I, I was telling you that Derek White was was someone who I think was probably the most impressive player to me this week. You know, 16 points uh, against the Thunder, 16 against the Hawks, 26 against the Pels, not to mention the, you know, he's assists, rebounds. But really, something that I think sticks out to me, and I think throughout this, you know, 16 games into the season, front to back, I think Jason Tatum has been the best defender on this team. I think Jason Tatum's having an elite defensive year. I think Derek White's the second best defender on this team right now. I'm not saying he is forever and always, but I think right now he might be. And I I just feel like every time I'm watching Derek White, sometimes it's stuff that you notice, like when he goes six of eight from three that you can't miss that he's contributing. And other times it's just these little things that we've called, you know, we've called him an accentuator before on the show that he, you know, he accentuates, he helps connect the team. Um, but I really think his defense has stood out to me. And, you know, right now he's, first in the league amongst guards in contested two-point shots and is second in the league behind Austin Reeves in contested shots overall. And I think for a guard, the way that he contests at the rim, which I've mentioned before, just kind of his his verticality or coming from behind with his length to actually block some shots, it, it always stands out to me. But am I, am I off base thinking that maybe Derek White has been the second best defensive player for this team this season? Um, I don't think you're off base on that. I actually want to ask a follow-up question, though, to that stat that you just put out there. So you said he... Austin Reeves is the leader of guards contested twos per Yeah, game. so just amongst guards. Because it's all going to be big guys when you, when you do the entire league. So what, so what are the numbers guards, Yeah, so amongst guards. So Austin Reeves contests overall 7.4 shots per game. Derek White's at 7. And then for contested two-point shots, Derek White leads the league at 4.8. DeLon Wright has only played in three games. and He's at, he's at 5 versus 4.8. But for guys that have played you know double-digit games, Derek White leads the league at 4.8 contested two-point shots a game. Yeah, and when you look at those league leaders, you're going to see mostly big men that play and drop, right? I think the league leader is Brooke Lopez. I think he he leads the league in contested two-point shots. You'll see, um, you know, per 36, you'll probably see guys like Walker Kessler in there. Um, Luke, I think actually Luke Cornette might actually be in there in the top 10 uh, per 36 contested twos. And it's mostly just big guys that play and drop. 
Um, and with Derek White, this is something that we've talked about a lot, actually, is his ability to contest late. He loves just like hanging on a guy's hip, even when they think they have him beat. I mean, he did it to, I think it was CJ in the Pelicans game where yep. he got him from behind. Um, he's just a really heady defender and he does not give up on plays. He's got great instinct. He's a lot quicker than I think guys expect him to be just, um, he, there's, no one ever just like dusts him, right? He, yeah. When they get by him, he's still not that far behind them. Like sometimes you'll see even our best defenders when they get dusted, they're just like, they, they don't even make that second effort to try and contest late. Derek White just doesn't stop. Yeah. And um, I think part of the reason why, you know, I, I think is his makeup as a player. You know, he's, he's kind of had to fight his way into having uh, the role that he had in San Antonio working his way onto team USA and always just been a grinder. And he he's kept that with him as his talent has increased, as his skills have increased, he's continued that grinding mentality. And it looks like this year will, I don't know if you've noticed it, but he looks more athletic. He looks stronger. It looks like he worked on his body over the off season. I don't know. Dad, if, it's dad strength. He's got, yeah, he's got, he's he's got the dad power, right? The, ba- ba- the, the baby bump transference has now become dad, dad strength. It's fully Dude, evolving. He's trying to bang on people in traffic. Like how many times what, did you see him go up for a dime? Yeah, I, I don't think I, – like I'm trying to actually remember last year after the trade deadline when we got him. I can't really really remember even on like a fast break, Derek White dunking, maybe a little soft two-handed. Like you know the, the dunks that are basically layups where you just mm-hmm. hang above the rim and drop it in. But yeah, he's going up like uh, – I don't want to say recklessly, but you know what I mean? But like without abandon, you know, just like, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm, I'm going to try and, and dunk on you. And he's got a little bit of attitude to him, even though he's always so smiley, it's hard to see, say that he has, you know, like a, a certain attitude to him, but he looks a lot more comfortable. This being a full year being with this team, you know, I, I think last year, and this is probably, you know, I, I'd love to talk to, you know, an NBA player just about, the mentality when you really break it down of being traded midseason is pretty wild. Like there's not, you know, sometimes we can make comparisons to our day-to-day world with, you know, let's call it regular jobs. And it's like, well, this is like kind of a one-to-one comparison. There's no comparison of, hey, I, you know, I work at Apple and I got traded to, you know, some other tech company. And now all of a sudden you're figuring out a new role, like within a couple days I mean, you're like you know i mean that, that doesn't exist so like that's that, like i think just thinking about how much more comfortable he is taking that into account like it makes a lot of sense but i think just as a person and people that play basketball i'm sure a lot of you out there like have played pickup basketball maybe you played high level basketball whatever it is your experiences i think pickup is probably the common denominator that we can all kind of get around right here it's just like think about when you play pickup right if you're not running with guys that you understand that first game, especially in the first day that you play with someone, a lot of times people are just trying to figure it out and it's messy, it's sloppy because there's no continuity. You don't know where you fit in. You know, you might think you're the point guard and then there's that one like scrappy, scrappy boy that comes over and takes the ball and you're like, hey, dude, like, no, get away, get away right now. Like, I'm the guy that brings the ball <laughs> up the court or I'm the guy that shoots the three pointers. I'm the guy that does this. Mm-hmm. And with Derek White, you know, he, you would expect because he's a role player, because he's accentuated, because he's a connector, it might be easier for him to fit in because it's just like, oh, just play your game, dude. Just like, you know, you don't have to do too much. Just do what you do. And that's kind of a tough thing to tell someone. Just do what you do and everything's going to be fine because Derek White's better than that. He's not Mm -hmm. just an accentuator. He's not just a connector. There, There were times, we talked about this last year, where people said, oh, 
which guard should I build around in San Antonio? Should it be DeJounte Murray or Derek White? There were times where people thought Derek White was the better of those two players. And the Celtics didn't have to give up much to get him when you look in comparison to what the Hawks had to give up to get DeJounte Murray. Derek White is a really, really good basketball player. And it's great to see him get comfortable in his role with this team because I think Derek White right now, you know, last year there were moments where you saw it really like, ooh, Derek White like might be as good as smart. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. And this year you're like, oh, like that's a real conversation. Yeah, man, it's it, it's astonishing to see just going through this roster. And he's someone that that I think has made a massive impact in this first part of the season here. Once again, Celtics 13 and three. Uh, anything else you want to hit on from this week? Like I said, I think th- this this week was was just really interesting to me because of the the diversity in which the wins came come from behind against the Thunder on a, on a night where you feel a little bit lifeless. We talked about Peyton Pritchard and Derek White kind of bring the energy back. They able to close that out. The Hawks, they're you know a, a top three team in the East, and really kind of from start to finish, they had that game on lock despite it not coming from the Jays and it coming from that bench mob, and then sees against the Pelicans. It, kind of the same thing. The Pelicans made a, a few more runs that that left them kind of hanging on a little bit closer. Like, were they going to be able to shut the door? But, you know, ultimately, once again, it, it wasn't necessarily like I think the Hawks win was a little prettier than the Pelicans win. But it's another style of going ahead and getting that victory. And at the end of the day, they're all win is a win, right? They're all wins that <laughs> we'll take them in any form they come. And it's nine straight. You know, anything else about this week that that jumps out to you that you want to touch on before we take a quick look at the week ahead? Um. Is it time to start asking what's up with Jason Tatum's wrist? So I thought about that the other day. Um, you can see that it feels like actually the bandage on his wrist actually even looks a little bit bigger. Maybe that's just me. That's just an observation. Well, I have so, no idea if that's true. But. I, I, I agree with that, right? So the bandage is different. I, I don't know if it's bigger, but mm-hmm. it's now going around his thumb. Like at the beginning of the year, it was just around his wrist. It looked like he had like a pad in that tape just to give a little bit more cushion. But now that's going all the way around his thumb to provide a little bit more stabilization to it. I don't know if that's because it's hurting more. They're just, hey, let's try a different taping Mm -hmm. technique. Um, But, you know, in the last game and partially it's going up against Herb Jones, who's a really good defender. But there were a couple times where he was driving left where it seemed like the ball just kind of slipped out of his hands going back to like the old Jason Tatum. And if his grip strength is compromised, that would make a lot more sense. I mean, even think back to the game in which he had that wide open dunk attempt. The breakaway? Yeah, Yeah, the breakaway. That was the first thing my my mind went to when you said that, actually. Yeah, so like I'm wondering what his grip strength is in that left hand because he's constantly tinkering with it. We know that it was fractured or whatever it was last year, a bone chip. Um, so I'm concerned about that. I I would like the Celtics to try and figure that out. Um, maybe it's not this year. Maybe Tatum just like, you know what? I'm playing through this entire year with this pain. I'll get it figured out in the off season. Um, but it's starting to worry me a little bit because he's, he's playing with it more during the game. The tape is getting heavier and it looks like there might actually be some impact into the way he's holding onto the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that. Like, it's something that I had definitely noticed. I think maybe it was in the New Orleans game is when it really kind of crossed my mind. Like, oh, yeah, didn't JB say, I mean, didn't JT say he had like a fractured wrist, which is like, it seems like a bigger deal than it was really made of, you know, during that interview that he had with, uh, I believe it was with Taylor Rooks. And so, you know, I don't know if there was ever a definitive conclusion as to how to solve it. It sounds like it's just something he's playing through. And that mm-hmm. it's manageable, and that's kind of the plan. Um, but of course, that always leaves you a little bit weary that that's the plan until it's no longer the plan because something happened, you yeah. know. So 
you know, that's, that is definitely something to monitor. Um, I don't think we know, obviously, the answers to that. But something to keep an eye on. Like we said, his numbers, you know, shooting numbers did dip this uh, this past week. Don't know if there's any type of correlation to that. Just feeling comfortable. Um, but definitely something we'll keep an eye on. And this upcoming week, let's take a look, Greg, at these games here. And then we'll uh, then we'll introduce the our audience here to our vibe check segment. And then we'll go ahead and get out of here. But for this upcoming week, Celtics have on Monday night. So potentially as you're listening to this, they're going to be at Chicago Wednesday, right before Thanksgiving, they'll be against the Mavericks. That'll be a fun game with Luca in town Friday night against the Kings. You mentioned uh, Kevin Herter earlier, Greg, in this podcast and the Kings are on one. The Kings are maybe the second hottest team behind the Celtics in the NBA right now. So that will be a fun, should be a high scoring event on Friday night at the garden and then Sunday against the wizards. And we'll, we'll be back after that one. So you'll have for that next Monday on the 28th, you'll have a fresh podcast from us. Uh, But, you know, as we look at this week ahead here, Greg Celtics are on a nine game win streak. They got four games coming up, one against Luka, one against one of the hottest teams in the league. The Bulls are kind of floundering. The Wizards are the Wizards. You know, what is it the Dallas game that sticks out to you as the biggest potential for this win streak to come to an end? Uh, I actually think it would be Chicago, honestly, Um, just because it's the last game on the road before this long homestand. So maybe it's a little bit of a trap game. It's the third time we're playing the Bulls. The Bulls have been struggling recently, so they really need three times in the first month, basically, of the season. Feels very that's a weird scheduling quirk, but yeah. Yeah. And the Bulls pose some difficulties for us. Caruso is always a pain in our side. Um, DeRozan, we cannot stop him. Zach Levine's been playing poorly recently. He always gets up for the matchups against the Jays. Uh, we had a really hard time with Vooch in the first two matchups. So I think there are a lot of issues with that Chicago game. And then we have that huge homestand where we have what six in a row at home. So I think that if there's any game for the Celtics to overlook, it's this game. If this were the second time we were playing the bulls and they had beat us the first time and the Celtics need a revenge, you know, I, I wouldn't feel as bad about it, but this game, like I could see the Celtics overlooking it, but what does interest me will mm-hmm. for this week is a couple of great betting opportunities. Ooh, what you got? Those of you out there, we didn't really talk much betting with Adam on Celtics pod, but will and I love to talk about gambling. <laughs> and I think one, you kind of alluded to it earlier. I can't, what do you think the over under is going to be for the King Celtics game? It's going to be high, probably somewhere around 232. I think it's going to be higher than that. Maybe. Yeah, it's going to it's going to be up there. I mean, right now. And I know that they're one, two, as far as points per game. I'll pull it up here as we're, you know, as we're talking. But yeah, it's it's going to be a game that's looked to be a shootout for sure. Yeah, I would I would put that I would imagine for doing the Bill Simmons cousin Sal guess the lines thing. <laughs> I would imagine that's like 237.5, maybe even higher than that. So so right now as I'm pulling it up, so the Kings have actually overtaken the Celtics as the number 1 points per game team in the NBA at 120.3. Celtics are at 120.2. So if you're just doing it off of the averages, you're looking at about a 240 line. Now, probably, I think you're right. I think it's probably going to be probably around 237. It's probably where they're going to get a sucker like me to probably come in and take that bet. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And then I would say prop bet against the Mavs. Luka always destroys the Celtics. So whatever the Luka over is, I'm taking (laughs) it. Just take it. Just take it. I'm doing Luka over. Luka combined points, rebounds, assists. Like all the Luka bets, I'm making those bets in the Dallas game. Um, And then I would probably, I mean, Finney Smith is a really good defender. I think he gives Tatum problems. So Mm -hmm. I would be interested in betting some Tatum unders in that game as well. 
Yeah, I mean the that Dallas game, Luca. I mean, just Luca's Luca, right? I mean, we're we're in the in the space now where Jason Tatum feels like he's having his "I'm in the top five now" moment. Luca's already there, and mm-hmm. so th- I think that's going to be a really interesting, you know, superstar matchup. And thus far in his career, Luca just, you know, it, it feels like he has individually hit two buzzer beaters, I believe against the Celtics on basically that same step back move from the same spot. And then last year, you know, they came in and they kind of ruined, uh, I don't say they ruined, they put a sour note on the KG Jersey retirement when, you know, Luca finds Spencer Dinwiddie in the corner for the, for the game winning shot. That was just an absolute dagger. So one way or another, it feels like Luca kind of finds a way to kill the Celtics. So, for me, I think that's going to be maybe the game where we see the the win streak come to an end. But we'll see. At Chicago, home versus Dallas, home versus Sacramento, home versus Washington. Uh, going to be a fun week all surrounding Thanksgiving Day, which, I, by the way, Greg, I just realized last night, uh, Patriots play on Thanksgiving. So that's a nice little treat nice. right there. Yeah, there Patriots, Vikings, they get the late game. So going to be a fun week of sports. Uh, like Greg and I talked about, we are not going to be – so typically Monday, Thursday – is when our episodes will drop. No episode this Thursday for Thanksgiving. Y'all go enjoy your family, have fun, have some turkey, have some drinks, do whatever y'all do. Uh, enjoy yourselves and be with your family. But for now, we want to introduce y'all to a segment that we are bringing over uh, here. And let's call it, or let's not call it, this is what it is called, definitively. Greg, let's cue up a vibe check. Feeling good, feeling great. So here's the deal. For a vibe check each and every week, Greg and I are going to give you one thing that we are either vibing with or against or for or anything that we find that that kind of tickles our fancy a little bit. We're going to we're going to go ahead and let y'all know what we're vibing with or what we're not vibing with. So this will be a regular segment that we have on every one of our Monday episodes. So with that, Greg, what's your vibe check for this week? Okay, I am vibing with a little Home Depot action. I feel like I'm uh, Will. I feel like I'm Will Ferrell in uh, old school right now. But I just went to Home Depot with Danielle. It's horrible weather right now where where we live in Austin, Texas, and we're just like, you know what? We're gonna be inside all weekend. Let's let's just paint. Let's paint the house. So we decided to paint our bedroom and we picked out like a really nice green color for it. Uh, not necessarily like Kelly green, like Celtic green. It's a darker, darker Is that the name shade. of the Celtic green? It's called Kelly green? That's what Danielle says. So I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've never heard that before. You, you said it so confidently that I wasn't going, that I was like, oh, Greg just taught me something. So this is a, another funny thing. So I always thought I was like a little bit colorblind, but I think <laughs> I'm just bad at naming colors. Cause there's like so many different shades. I'm like, I don't know. It's freaking green. Like, what are you, what are yeah. you talking about? It's green. I, I'm, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I guess the Celtics are Kelly green. I mean, they're just green. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I think what I'm vibing with is just like having a day with your significant other where you guys are just like doing something together, hanging out, being productive. You know, sometimes that could be a leisurely activity like going bowling. You know, I love going bowling. Well, and I love talking about going Dude, bowling. You have talked about bowling. So if you have. So for those of you that are that are new to listening to Greg and I, I think he's mentioned bowling four out of the last five episodes. He is he's gone twice, but he's obsessed with it. 
It's so much fun, dude. It's so. I think, much fun. I think you're obsessed with the concept or the idea of going bowling <laughs> more than actually bowling. Just talking about bowling and going bowling. <laughs> it's like, uh, what is it, McLovin? And uh, do, do you like Coke? I like the idea of Coke more than I actually like it. <laughs> yeah. I like the idea of bowling more than I actually like it. <laughs> I feel you, but uh, how do you? I know that you have done. You know, you bought a house recently. I just bought a house recently. So, like, what home projects have you done that you've actually enjoyed? Because I enjoyed painting with painting the room with Danielle. Yeah, not a big home projects guy. Not uh, honestly for me, it's more stressful. So it's it's just getting to the end of it and finishing it is the only joy I get out of out of most house projects. So why is it stressful for you? Uh, I just don't enjoy it. So it's it's stressful in the sense of like uh, I don't want to mess this up. Um, mm-hmm. And my significant other is very good at interior design and has things like completely mapped out as to where things are supposed to be. And I'm like, I, it's just something I don't necessarily care about. So it's like, I have my room and that's where I kind of live. And I have my Seinfeld posters and my Celtics memorabilia and everything. And the rest of the house, that's all hers. So I don't really have too much that this is just not my area of, it's not my area of enjoyment when it comes to the house owning. I'm like, I just need things to be functional and then we can spruce it up around the edges. And as long as it works, I'm usually pretty good with that. The one thing that I have since I, since I've, uh, bought the house that I have has been taking on a little bit of yard work. And that's been, that's been actually more enjoying than I thought it was, even though it's been very frustrating because we've had, you know, a deal with the drought and some other issues that I'm working through at my house. But that's been the one thing that I think would, was a little surprising is that it is a little bit, um, I'm trying to think of the word, not Zen, but it, but it's almost like meditative, like meditative. That, that's a good word for it to, you know, plug in some headphones and, you know, go through the lawn and, and kind of figure out some different stuff that's going on back there. Bro, my backyard right now is a freaking mess because Billy and Blaze, my two dogs, for everyone out there, first time listeners to uh, Green with the Envy, I have two dogs, a 10 and a half year old Pitbull Blaze and a three year old gremlin named Billy. And <laughs> Billy just gets him riled up. And when she plays, bro, all she wants to do is like run in circles and then get to her little spot and then dig a hole and then run, yeah. get to her little spot, dig a hole. So I, I literally every single day I have to go out and like refill the holes and she just like digs them back up again. So my, I can't even do yard work right now because yeah. there are so many holes. Yeah, I feel you. I, I mean, my dog Taco, he's year and a little over a year and a half right now and he's 70 pound mutt, a little bit of pit bull in him, pit bull terrier. And yeah, I mean, we have sod in our backyard that has some issues settling and he doesn't help it much because he just, when he gets his momentum going, like it's a lot of momentum. And so he's not, he doesn't really dig, but he just kicks up stuff with his momentum when he Mm -hmm. sprints around the backyard. So I feel you on that. I feel you. All right, let's go to my vibe check for the week here. So I don't know if you've seen this clip. I was watching it literally before we started recording, but shout out to our guy, former New England Patriot, Ben Watson. Uh, he has a clip going around from halftime of an SEC football game yesterday. I believe it was Vanderbilt in Florida. So he's one of the hosts, and he talked about his wife. He's like, hey, as long as my wife likes my outfit, that's all that matters. And one of the other co-hosts goes, he's like, so as long as my wife texts me that she likes my outfit, we're good to go. One of the other co-hosts goes, that's not what she texted me. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and like I wasn't watching this live. I've seen this all on Twitter. And so then like the, it's like Takeo Spikes and there's one other host there. There's four guys. And they're all kind of laughing it off as they're playing off the highlight and they go to commercial break. They come back from commercial break. Ben Watson and this other guy Peter Burns are not on set. <laughs> and so it's just Takeo Spikes and this other guy. They're like, "So, there were four of us. Um, guess it's just the two of us now." 
And then Ben Watson comes back on like in the middle of the segment, very much a uh, Will Smith. Keep my wife's name (laughs) out your mouth. And uh, yo, I've watched it like four or five different times. Has me dying. Ben Watson is, I didn't even realize it was Ben Watson the first time I watched it. And I think part of the reason that I'm vibing with it is I've always had just a, 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 a sports crush on Ben Watson. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be the next Ben Coates. Ben Coates was my favorite, probably my first favorite New England Patriot player. And I was 100% convinced that Ben Watson was going to be Ben Coates 2.0. Wasn't really the case, but uh, Ben Watson handling his business, that's my vibe check of the week. You got to handle your business. You got to, you got to make sure that uh, your family is not being disrespected. Uh, keep, <laughs> keep my wife's name out your mouth. That's hilarious. Uh, just quick, real quick. You said Ben Coates was your first favorite Patriot. Yeah. So as a child, so we're, Will and I are both 33 years old. Everyone out there listening, you get a feel for like what, how we grew up, which Patriots teams we liked. So you go Ben Coates, number one, childhood favorite. I'm assuming Willie McGinnis was number two for you. Ooh, uh, that's a good question. So it's probably in some order when we think back to like the mid to late 90s Patriots, the pre-Brady Patriots, basically. Uh, it's probably in some order. So Ben Coates was definitely, he was my first, my first guy. Wait, can I guess it? Can I guess it? Yeah, go for it. Let me guess your top five. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. So I think you got, well, I think Willie McGinnis is in there. He's in the top five, yeah. Ben Coates. Mm-hmm. Ty Law. Maybe I think he is, but I, I'm 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 double checking my list right now. <laughs> my okay. Head. So wait, okay. So I'm I'm stopping at like 2003 ish. Yeah, you're right. Ty Law's in there. You're right. Ty Law's okay. in there. I got I got my five. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Richard Seymour. Okay, so I didn't include him because I'm thinking like kind of pre Brady. Okay. All right. Then lawyer. Yep. Lawyers in there. And so you're missing one. So you've got you got Ty Law. You've got Willie. You've got lawyer. There's one guy you're missing. I wonder if you're going to be able to get him. Which side of the ball? Offensive. Hmm. Kevin Falk? No. It, you're in the you're in the backfield though. You want one more guess, or should I tell you? Uh. I I, I want I want the guess. Shoot. Tick tock tick tock. Uh. Man, this is tough. Curtis Martin. Nailed it. There you go. Hey, That's the final guy. I think he was he was only in New England for it was either three or, or four years, but I loved Curtis Martin. I almost went Robert years. Edwards, but I went I went Curtis Martin. Honestly, yeah. I jumped very quickly into the Robert Edwards bandwagon. So I there are very few jerseys that I have. I had both their jerseys growing up as a kid. And so I got Curtis Martin. And then I started to feel cursed actually, because I got a Curtis Martin jersey. He left him into the Jets. Got a Robert Edwards jersey. He, you know, blew out his knee on the on the sand bowl. I think I got and then I think I got a Lauren Malloy jersey. He got cut. <laughs> he went over to Buffalo. Yeah. And so I started to feel very cursed. And then I think, and so I, st- I stopped getting jerseys. And then I think at one point, maybe it was my aunt or cousins or something. I can't remember who exactly, but they got me an Adam Vinatieri jersey. And nice. not soon after he left and Stephen Gutskowski became the kicker. <laughs> so I haven't bought a Patriots jersey since I was probably like 14 or 15 years old, whenever Vinatieri left, because I feel like every time it was just a kiss of death if I bought that jersey. But yeah, Curtis Martin, I wasn't sure if you were going to get him because it was such a short-lived Patriot run. But, you know, he's part of that Super Bowl team. Like, you know, he was the young studs the first three years of a Hall of Fame career that he was with us. Um, yeah, I was a big Curtis Martin guy for for the little bit of time that we had him. 
I love it. My top five would probably be very similar, but we don't, we don't need to go over that right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I feel like this is a good spot to wrap this one up. This is. We'll do, and we'll do more top five lists. We'll do more vibe checks. So if y'all have anything that, that y'all are vibing with, please let us know. You can find me on Twitter personally at Wilbon13. That's two L's, W-I-L-L-B-O-N-13. And you can find Greg on Twitter at Mini Minnow. And who knows? Maybe this is a limited time. I don't know how long Twitter is going to be around. So so find us on Twitter. If not, you can follow us on Instagram collectively at GreenEnvyPod as well. Uh, but we appreciate y'all tuning in, joining us here. We are really excited for this journey. Uh, as a reminder, no episode on Thursday. We'll be back next Monday following the Thanksgiving great Thanksgiving break. Greg, as you always do, any final thoughts? And then let us know what we're going to hear on the way out. No final thoughts. Uh, for those of you that are just tuning in for the first time to a Green With Envy episode, the intro music and now the outro music is going to be the same song, which is a song from my band down here in uh, Austin, Texas. We are called three words, Black Sheep Optimists. And this is a new release that we actually just dropped this last week. It's been the intro music for quite some time now, but it's now an official song. This is called Skywalking. It will be uh, linked in the description of the show. So you can click through if you like the song. Download it, add it to your playlist, and uh, maybe it will be the theme song for the, the Celtics this season. Peace, everybody. Do it. Peace. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes This should be coming down by now But I won't Wait for the last to be over I just want the world to see the smile on your face